This is Defender Radio. Defender Radio is brought to you by Gates Wildlife Control and the Association for the Protection of Fur-Bearing Animals. It's the week of November 17, 2014, and this is Michael Howie welcoming you to episode 206 of Defender Radio. This week, we're diving into one of the most contentious issues of Canadian culture, the seal hunt. For a long time, the hunt was a necessary way of life for Aboriginal peoples, as well as those who sought fortune and substance on this land. But we contend that today, it is unnecessary and cruel. To explore this issue with us, we were recently joined by Cheryl Fink, Director of Wildlife Campaigns for the International Fund for Animal Welfare. For more than a decade, Cheryl has worked on the seal hunt issue, which included witnessing and recording the hunt, working with international partners, and developing strategies to bring it to an end. Our conversation delved into the history of the hunt, the evolution of attitudes, the role the fur industry plays in the modern seal hunt, and what people can be doing to voice their concerns. Let's start out uh, with the beginning. Uh, one of the things we've been constantly hearing from, from our current government and from a lot of supporters is the seal hunt in Canada and worldwide being a tradition, being part of our heritage. So can you give us a, a little walk down memory lane? How how important was the seal hunt at one time to people living in what is now Canada? Okay, I mean, sure, that's the key. At one time, the seal hunt was extremely important back in the, what they call the golden age of sealing, which was, I think, back in the mid-17 to 1800s, so it was quite some time ago. And we're going back to a time before electricity when seal blubber and whale blubber was used as a source of electricity, as a source of providing heat, as an industrial lubricant. Um, and it was incredibly important. Uh, during the 19th century, 33 million seal pelts went from Newfoundland back to, back to England and Europe, um, primarily for their blubber to be used as a source of fuel. Um, but those days are long gone, and I think this is this is the reality that we need to face now. We don't need to kill seals and whales for their blubber, um, but they're being killed for now as entirely luxury, non-essential needs to make fur coats and mitts and trinkets. And uh, we, it's not an industry that we need to have today in the 21st century. All right, and for the sake of um, covering all our bases, and you, you're probably going to laugh at me for asking this, but what about the Aboriginal people, Cheryl? And, you know, that's, that is a very good point. Um, Inuit sealing in Canada is a very different sort of activity. The primary purpose of Inuit seal hunting is for a source of food. Um, there's food in the north is extremely expensive. There aren't, they don't have the availability of selection of food and vegetables that we do down here. And I think seal is still widely used as a source of affordable and, you know, essentially nutritious food. Um, so that's a very different activity, and I think it's important to realize too that groups like IFA and others who campaign against the commercial seal hunt aren't opposed 
typically to the hunting of animals for food by people who need it as a source of food. Um, IFA doesn't even oppose the personal hunt for seals for food in Newfoundland. There's a personal use license that allows people to take up to six animals as a source of food for their family, for people who do still like to hunt. And we see that as a very different thing from the mass slaughter of animals, which is completely unnecessary to make fur coats to be exported to China. And what I, I know you, you have gone and, and been a witness to this you've done recording you've done uh, all kinds of things at the seal hunts for those of us who have not experienced it could you uh, perhaps without being overly graphic describe what it's like uh, both both just in terms of what happens and what it's like in terms of someone who is an animal lover watching it Sure. Um, I mean, the hunt, the hunt, there's been a bit of change in the way the hunt takes place because of the change in the ice conditions off the East Coast. In the early day, we used to go out and you could actually land on the ice with a helicopter and we'd have our, our film camera crews with us. And under the, under our observation permits, we're allowed to get within 10 meters of the seal hunters on the ice. We're not allowed to talk to them or interfere with the hunt in any way or the DFO or RCMP will come down and take us away very quickly. But we do have a right to be there and to document an activity that's taking place in a, in a public area. Um, so in those days, you know, it was very, you'd be just walking around sort of following the sealers around watching, watching them club animals. And it's the feeling of being very helpless, um, you know, knowing that you can't really do anything to protect those individual animals. And you know, a lot of people ask, how do, how do you do that? How do you watch these seals being caught? Because it's, it's sickening. The sounds are sickening. The smell is sickening. You smell cigarette smoke and the diesel fumes and the, the smell of blood and blubber everywhere on the ice. Um, but we just try to remember that we're there for a bigger, bigger purpose. We're there to document the footage. And while we can't protect those seals that are being slaughtered in front of us, that we can take our footage and we can show it to politicians and we can show it to countries around the world and we can use that to close markets for seal products, which is what we've done and we've been very successful with that. So that's, you know, that's the bottom line and it's always keeping focus on your, keeping focus on the end goal when you're there on the ice, even though it's pretty horrible to watch animals being slaughtered. Um, and then in recent years on the East Coast, there's been a lot more hunting from, from boats rather than on the ice because the ice hasn't been thick enough for sealers to safely walk around on it or drive their skidoos around on it. So we've been filming the hunt from the air using a long-range uh, gyroscopic mounted camera, which is quite fantastic technology, really. We can be a 1,000 meters up in the air and get very good detail of what's actually happening down on the boats. Um, and we're not disturbing the seals or disturbing the hunt in any way. A lot of times they don't even know we're in the air, um, and we can get pretty good, pretty good visuals of what they're doing down on the ice. And it allows us to capture um, things that are happening to the seals that we wouldn't be able to otherwise see. And certainly that a DFO officer or someone on a, a vessel, a Coast Guard vessel in the area, wouldn't be able to see. Um, we've seen animals, you know, people just goofing around with them, picking them around, throwing them around the ice like they were sacks of sacks of laundry or something. Um, we've seen animals that have been hooked through the face while they're still alive, still barking, you know, biting at the hook and hooked and dragged onto the boats. And we've seen animals uh, regrettably sliced, sliced open down the belly while they're still breathing, still making conscious movements with their paws. Uh, and we can see this all from thousands of feet up in the air with our, our long-range cameras. And that sort of footage we turn over to the fisheries officers. Um, they 
have been fairly good about prosecuting. It takes a number of years, but we understand there were just now some charges laid as a result of footage taken in 2011. So it takes a very long time, but uh, thankfully the government does follow through on some of this stuff. Well, it's good to know that they listen when you uh, <clears throat> when you do have evidence of that kind of uh, extreme behavior. Um, and that, to me, also leads nicely into uh, the next question. Uh, and this, uh, when you and I first talked, I, th- I think we're going back over a year now, um, and I started learning about the seal hunt, you had told me that it's actually now a subsidized industry in Canada. Uh, could you tell me a bit about that? Yeah, we're at a point now where I think because there's so few markets left for seal products, um, it's an industry that would not survive in Canada were it not for the ongoing funding and support from federal and provincial governments. Um, the industry has required loans in each of the past three years. In two years, they got government loans totaling $7.2 million just so that they could go ahead with the season. Last year, they got a loan from a private source. But again, um, it's not it's not an industry that's economically viable on its own. And the history of subsidies goes back to the late 1990s. If you look at the history of the seal hunt, it was kind of puttering along through the, the 20th century. And then in 1983, the Europeans, the Europe, Europe put a ban on the import of white coat seal products. And this was back when we were hunting still the little white fluffy newborn seals. As a result, the markets totally crashed and the seal hunt pretty much disappeared. It was down to 30,000 animals a year at one point. And when it, everything was kind of fine and puttering along there until 1992 when the uh, the cod stocks collapsed and we had to issue the moratorium on the cod fishery. And I think federal politicians were scrambling for someone to blame for something to explain why these cod stocks weren't recovering as quickly as they said they would. The scientists knew they weren't going to recover in two years or five years, whatever the politicians were saying. They said, you know, give us 20, 25 years. But the politicians said, no, this is just a two-year moratorium. It's going to be fine. And when it wasn't fine, they needed to blame someone. And Brian Tobin was fisheries minister at the time, and he blamed harp seals. He stood up and said, there is only one one thing out there fishing those cod stocks. His first name is harp, and his second name is seal. So very clearly blaming seals for the collapse of cod stocks. And this is why, essentially why we have a seal hunt today. He increased the allowable catch for harp seals. He introduced new subsidies, uh, giving sealers money for every pound of meat that was landed, and gave millions of dollars of support for the industry and that brought the hunt back up to levels that were higher than they you know hadn't seen in ages um back in the late 1990s early 2000s peaking in 2006 where pelt prices were over 102 dollars um a skin and i think it was something like 300,000 seals were killed extremely high um and now since then the markets have disappeared again and you know, we've, we've still got these government subsidies that are keeping the hunt alive, but I think we've tried this experiment of using government funds to revive the seal hunt. It worked for a little while. It's down at its lowest point in recent history again. Um, how long are we going to keep subsidizing this in hopes that it takes off? I think it's turning into a, a sort of a colossal ongoing waste of taxpayer dollars. Um, this is a uh, uh, maybe a bit out of your wheelhouse, but uh, as you know, we we are dealing a lot with fur farms and trapping issues in the East Coast right now. Um, and when I was out there, there was this very interesting attitude. This this would have been about two years ago now, and people are afraid to take on agricultural or natural resource issues in terms of environments, jobs, all kinds of things. Is the eastern part of our country now at a point where they need to stop looking to the water and to the animals 
uh, to sustain themselves. There are other successful industries. I mean, the winery industry in Nova Scotia is worth hundreds of millions, and I think it may even be over a billion dollars annually now. Um, is this just something it, it, like the government's tried to fix, scientists have tried to fix, and now it's time to say, you know what, let's walk away and find something new to do. Yeah, I think certainly in the case of the seal hunt, um, we've seen this, this pretty much global collapse of markets for seal products. Uh, Europe has banned them, United States has banned them, Mexico has banned them, Taiwan has banned them, the Russian or Customs Union of Russia, Belarus, and Kazakhstan has banned them. People don't want seal products. So I would I would argue that, yeah, this, this is an industry that's in decline. Um, there are other alternatives. There's ecotourism, there's green power, there's all kinds of alternatives that could be receiving this funding that's instead going to keep the seal hunt alive. And the reason for that, or the explanation, I think, has been that politicians have this feeling that they need to support the seal hunt in Newfoundland um, and because it's the politically popular thing to do. It has nothing to do with economic realities or job creation. I mean, I mean there's no future jobs in, in hunting seals. That's not a good employment opportunity. Um, and it's it's costing us more money than it's actually bringing back. So it's this mindset in Ottawa, I think, that we're fighting against now is that this they feel they need to support the seal hunt. They need to stand up for sealers. Um, you know, they don't. They don't, and we're doing a great disservice, I think, to people in Atlantic Canada by continuing to support the seal hunt instead of helping other alternatives with that, that money. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsors. You're listening to Defender Radio. I am Brad Gates, owner of Gates Wildlife Control. Do you have raccoons or squirrels living in your attic? Did you know that the hole in your roof is letting water in? Your insulation is being ruined and they could be chewing on your electrical wiring? Protect your biggest investment. We will come to your house and provide you with a no-obligation free estimate. Please visit our website at gateswildlifecontrol.com or dial 416-750-9453. Have you ever heard a coyote sing? Did you know that coyotes are also called North America song dogs? They communicate through unique howls, yips, and barks. At Coyote Watch Canada, we're committed to fostering peaceful coexistence for communities and their wildlife neighbors by building compassionate wildlife communities one community at a time. Please visit us at coyotewatchcanada.com for more information and tips about this amazing Keystone species. After a night out with your friends, there are always options for getting home safely. You could call your BFF, take a cab, or maybe you'll grab the last bus. Now there's a smartphone app to help you choose your ride. Find out more at arrivealive.org. The Christmas tree for the animals has long been a beacon of hope in times of darkness. By sending in your donation today, your very own light will be lit as a reminder of all the lives that were lost this year and it will serve as a beacon of hope as we fight to protect fur-bearing animals for another year. Please donate today at www.FurBearerDefenders.com That's www.FurBearerDefenders.com This is Defender Radio. We're back with more from Cheryl Fink of the International Fund for Animal Welfare to discuss the contentious seal hunt issue. 
All right, now let's turn our gaze outward. We've been talking about Canada particularly, but I saw an article you had posted, uh, and I read it, and I also posted it, and I'm going to pronounce this wrong, so you'll have to f- correct me. Um, the seal call in Namibia. Namibia, yep. Namibia. I was close. That's pretty I should point for that. Um, Nambia a lot. A lot of people think it's Nambia. But <laughs> that's something different, isn't it? I'm not sure. <laughs> I, th- I think that's a thing still, but there's an eye in there. That's what was throwing yeah. me. Anyway, um, the uh, the seal hunt there is going to be the smallest on record, according to Bloomberg. Uh, and this is Southwest African uh, coastline. What is it that has led? And this, this is another part of the world where jobs are a lot harder to come by than they are here, where, um, you know, there's a lot more ecological and economic issues at play. So what is it that's driving that hunt, which I understand to be the second largest after ours, to to limit itself so much? Yeah, that's right. And it's a hunt for Cape fur seals, which is a, a different species than the, the seals that are hunted up here in the north. Um, it's fantastic news that this is going to be the smallest hunt on record. Um, as you say, only 26,000 seal pups have been killed out of the quota of 80,000, so nowhere close to meeting the quota. As to why, I mean... It's conjecture. It could could be this global lack of markets. Um, We know that Namibian pelts have typically gone to to Turkey and to Asia or China um, as opposed to the European Union, but it could be part of this decline in demand for seal fur overall. Um, It could also be that they're not finding the seals. Um, The population data from that that herd isn't widely available. I don't think it's peer-reviewed by international scientists. And I don't think we have a really good handle on what the population status is right now for Cape fur seals off the Namibian coast. So, you know, that's a bit concerning as well, too. Is it, is it potentially that there's fewer seals and they're just not getting enough seals to hunt? Um, but I think I think we can probably conjecture at least that in some part it's due to declining markets for seal products, de- declining uh, prices being offered on world markets for seal fur. So it's a, it's a, it's a fantastic thing. Um, also in the news recently was some discussion about the Norwegian government taking a look at its seal hunt. Norway also commercially hunts seals, much fewer than here in Canada, I think around 11,000 killed last year. But it's also a hunt that's heavily subsidized by the government to the tune of 75 to 80% of the value of the hunt. And there's been some reports that the government is actually considering uh, considering stopping that subsidy program, which would likely have a very, uh, I imagine would have a significant impact on the industry itself. Um, right now, there's the, last year there were three boats that went out as part of the Norwegian seal hunt, getting those 11,000 animals. And I think if they lost 80% of their support base, that might that might affect their desire to continue seal hunting again, in combination with the low pelt prices being offered for seal fur right now. Well, yeah, we've seen uh, fur prices across the board dropping worldwide. That's something I've been watching very closely. And they're, they're two of the big things are the Asian market dwindling, and that's my understanding of it is that they had a surplus in economics so that a lot of people in the middle and upper classes had all this extra money and they went out and bought some luxury products and commodities that they maybe didn't have before and all of a sudden they're saying, wait, this money's not going to keep coming. We're not going to waste it on things we don't need, such as fur. Uh, and then you add on all of the uh, the sanctions coming in and around Russia, which is also a major fur buyer, and that's that's driving the prices down. Um, now, something I and I'm going to ask, and this is something that we we maybe should have done at the beginning, but from an ecological point of view, what do seals do 
for their environment? What What's the benefit to keeping their populations untouched? Hmm. Well, seals seal, seal are sort of a top predator, so they do have a very strong stabilizing effect in the ecosystem. Um, and removing large numbers of them can have a similarly destabilizing effect. As to what they specifically do, I mean, there's, I guess, your typical top predator mammal things. They, you know, they, they, they just feed on. They feed on a wide variety of things, um, which also sort of makes it difficult. They're very catholic in their eating habits. They eat whatever they come across. Um, but um, that's a very good question. Specifically, what do they do? I'd be hard pressed to put a figure on it. Um, now, our first, they, our, they, sorry. As I say, they are known to have like they they do have a very stabilizing effect on on the ocean system. Well, and that's that's what we would see similarly with wolves or bears in other parts of Canada. Is when you start screwing around with them, everything below them gets screwed up, and that's that's known as trophic cascading. Of course, the most famous study is out of. Um, uh, Yellowstone National Park, where they reintroduced wolves, and all of a sudden, every other species got healthier. Um, now, are they are they hunted by sharks? Uh, yeah, they are preyed on by certain shark species. I am terrified of sharks, so okay. I, I'm on board with the seals. Um, <laughs> okay, sharks and polar bears as well. Um, I don't know if it's been raised in the context of you know as a food source for polar bears and how that might have implications because uh, you know, remembering too that herp seals are a migratory species they spend the you know december to march i guess sort of down in our area maybe a little bit later april down in the southern waters but then they're heading back up into the arctic again so they they do go off the coast of greenland and into the arctic canadian waters hmm. well maybe we can arm them and protect ourselves from the russians too um <laughs> Uh, now, seriously, though, one of the, the, the really difficult questions that we get asked daily is what can I do? People see what's going on. We, I think, as advocates, IFA, the association, uh, HSI, various SPCAs are all doing a very good job of showing what these issues are now. We're combining science with with digital uh, you know, photography and video, with social media, we're getting in the news, and then people turn around and say, what can I do about it? So I'm gonna ask you, uh, as a representative of IFA and as a, an animal lover, what can people do to be protecting seals in Canada? And, you, and you're right, we're, we're past the stage where awareness is an issue. I think a lot of people know about the seal hunt and they know what happens and it's horrible, but what can we do to stop it? In Canada, we're focusing on stopping the financial support of, from the government. Um, and I think if we can remove the government subsidies and remove the financial support for the seal hunt, you know, force it to survive or fail on its own two feet, and it, I think it's probably going to fail. So that's sort of our important message here in Canada is in encouraging our members of parliament and politicians to support alternatives. Um, you know, to, instead of supporting a seal hunt that really has no future, support alternatives in Newfoundland and Labrador. Find real solutions that can help keep jobs in rural communities. Um, there's lots of them out there, and those things are, I would say, more deserving of support than trying to keep the seal hunt alive. And internationally, of course, we need to keep the markets closed for seal products. We need to make sure people realize that there is a lot of cruelty associated with the hunting of seals, um, that these are not products that people want to be wearing. They are not a luxury status symbol. Um, it's a symbol of, of cruelty and suffering. And really to, to keep the markets shut where we do have bans and keeping an eye on markets like China, because of course, that is a, a huge market, and as you say, there's a, that newly wealthy class that may see fur as a status symbol or a way of showing their 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 new wealth. Um, we want to make sure that seal fur does not become a symbol of wealth, and that, that it remains a symbol of suffering.
To learn more about IFA or Cheryl's work, or get involved with the seal hunt debate, visit www.ifa.org. That's the show for this week. I'd like to thank Brad Gates of Gates AAA Wildlife Control for his ongoing support of this program, as well as Cheryl Fink for lending her time and expertise to discuss this important topic. Until next week, this is Michael Howie reminding you to stay informed and stay strong.